0: Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, again, good morning. Uh, Great to see everybody. Um, If you are, sorry, if you are still in the room and you're fifth grade or uh, third grade and up, man, I'm all over the place, third grade and up, you can come up and get your scavenger hunt right from the front here and activity back so you can follow along with the sermon this morning. Sorry about that, guys. All right. I want to invite you to open your Bible up to those words I just read from the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 17 this morning. Uh, As you're turning there, just uh, to kind of orient you, we just finished a series in the Sermon on the Mount uh, that we spent time looking through Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus teaching together and how it shapes who we are and how we live life together, uh, which was awesome. And now we're kind of transitioning into our summer. Uh, And so on uh, the 14th of June, we'll begin a new series called Encounters with Jesus and we'll be looking at uh, different people's encounters with Jesus throughout the four Gospels over the summer. I'm very excited about that. Um, and then actually, before we get to that, next week is Pentecost, and so we'll celebrate uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church with, uh, with baptism and communion here. So I encourage you to be here as we celebrate as a church family next week uh, for Pentecost. But today, uh, I wanted to just take a few minutes and look at this passage together in John chapter 17, really focusing in on verse three. So looking at John chapter 17, verse three. So we're told at the beginning of uh, this section that Jesus has been talking with his disciples and then he, he kind of begins to pray for them. Uh, he's praying as he's preparing to go to the cross. And he's praying for all of those who are in the room with him, He's praying for all who would be followers of Jesus. And he's praying for you and for me as he prays. And so these words, this prayer is as much for us as it was for those first disciples that were with him on that night before he was crucified. And so what does he pray? He prays this. He prays that they would know eternal life through the only true God. His prayer is that they would know life life eternal through God. That is life with God forever. That's his hope and his desire. That's what you and I are made for. We're made for life with our creator, a relationship uh, with the God of the universe as Elan prayed just a few minutes ago. That's who we get to be with this morning and that is who is inviting us into this life with him. And so here at Apostles, we believe that we were made for that life that we were actually created for life together with God for the glory of God. And so as we look at this passage from Jesus, uh, the question becomes, well, how can we have this life? How can we have this eternal life that God wants us to have through his son, Jesus? And that's the answer. It's through Jesus, whom the Father has sent, Jesus prays, that we can have eternal life and know God uh, intimately and personally. The one true God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And so in just this one verse, in these simple words of Jesus as he begins his prayer, He's declaring the gospel. He's declaring the good news. And what is the gospel? This is the gospel. That we can know the one true God through Jesus, his son, whom he has sent. That all those who listen and trust their lives to Christ, who lived and died and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father, all who trust in this Jesus will be rescued from life without God, and the just judgment of our sin, and receive the gift of his indwelling spirit and eternal life. It's not something that we can earn, but that we receive by grace through faith. We can have this life that Jesus is praying for, and we can have this life not just at some point when we die, but we can have it now. Eternal life begins the moment we put our trust in Jesus. There's a lot more we could say about the gospel, but I think that in its broad strokes, captures what Jesus is saying in these few words. He's telling us we can have this life with God. That at its core, he came to proclaim the good news that we as human beings made in the image of God can actually know God, truly know him. And so we want to be a church here at Apostles uh, that knows God and lives life with God together. We want others to know the one true God. We want to believe and live in light of this gospel and no other gospel, which is why we seek to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things that Jesus did. It's all because of this desire to know God. Uh, Our friend uh, and uh, pastor Ray Ortland describes this desire really manifesting itself in two ways. And I think this is helpful as we think about what it means to know God. He talks about it in terms of gospel doctrine on the one hand and gospel culture on the other. And I think this is a really helpful shorthand to talk about this idea of knowing God. So first, gospel doctrine. What is that? gospel doctrine is that we want to be a people who know what we believe, We want to be a people who know what we believe, that this gospel is a message that has specific content and it can and must be defined from what God has revealed through his word and by his son Jesus to us. So that's gospel doctrine on the one hand. On the other, uh, we want to pursue gospel culture. So Ortland says that gospel culture is wanting to be a people who are shaped by what we know. The church is to be a living witness of the goodness and beauty and power of God, a place where the world can actually glimpse and get a taste or an experience of this life with God in Jesus. So gospel doctrine and gospel culture. Uh, And the relationship with these two is important uh, because they they actually kind of feed each other. Uh, And in a very real sense, gospel doctrine creates and sustains gospel culture, what we believe, Has everything to do with how we live and vice versa. How we live actually has everything to do with what we believe. The way we live together in our church grows out of what we believe together. The gospel changes us personally and works itself out corporately. Thus, the gospel creates a new kind of community called the church. The truth is, um, when we think about these categories, most of us kind of lean in one direction or in the other. We lean kind of towards gospel doctrine, or we want to lean kind of towards gospel culture. What I mean by that is, some of us may resonate more, resonate more with gospel culture in the sense that we feel, kind of, uh, we, we feel things more, and we're kind of more relationally oriented in terms of our faith, while others of us may be more gospel doctrine oriented we really kind of lean into the truth and the doctrine aspect of our faith. And what's interesting is whole churches can kind of manifest these leanings. And maybe you've been in a church that was very, uh, very much embracing gospel culture but kind of weak on doctrine or vice versa, very heavy into doctrine and very weak maybe on gospel culture. Uh, Left to ourselves, it's a little bit tricky because uh, we can all get it partly wrong. And the reason we can all get it partly wrong is because no matter which part we embrace, we've got it partly right. (laughs) And so it feels right. It'll feel right to embrace one or the other because it is right. But we wanna be careful not to do it at the cost of the other. Jesus, we're told in John chapter one, came full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And we need both truth and grace. We need both doctrine and culture. Truth without grace is harsh and ugly. Grace without truth is sentimental and lacks courage. And so it actually requires both. Think about it this way. um, And I'm gonna put this up on the screen. I think this is a helpful way to kind of think about how we can fall off on either side of what we're aiming for. So one, gospel doctrine without gospel culture can actually lead to hypocrisy. What we believe, we don't actually live out. Gospel culture without gospel doctrine can really lead to fragility and superficiality. We're kind of manifesting aspects of the gospel, but we don't really understand why and what it's rooted in. So when things come along and challenge it, we easily kind of shift with the shifting doctrines and cultural emphasis. And so what we want is gospel doctrine and gospel culture, which really is about having power, the power to change and the power to bear witness, a power that ultimately is rooted in the presence of the resurrected Jesus who can actually transform lives. That's what gospel-centered life and faith is really about. It's what Jesus prayed here in chapter 17, that we would know God and Jesus whom he has sent. So, the rest of this morning what I want to do is I want to kind of focus our attention on one aspect of, of this equation and really kind of focus on gospel doctrine. And I think the reason I want to focus on that this morning will become self-evident. But I want us to focus on gospel doctrine and really begin with the question, why do we need gospel doctrine? Why do we need theology? Now, as soon as I say words like doctrine and theology, I am aware that a Very small, small, small group of us probably get very excited. (laughs) Doctrine and theology, sign me up, right? Uh, But most of us, most of us, that's not our immediate response, right? Uh, We might be willing to tolerate it, but generally, theology, um, if we're honest, uh, doesn't really float our boat. Um, Maybe when we think of theology, which really the word theology just means the study of God, Um, sounds boring, right? It it sounds dead or like some kind of academic exercise for professors in ivory tower somewhere. Uh, It feels like something that has little to do with our day-to-day life. And I think there's a good reason for that. Uh, There's a good reason that most of us tend to feel that way when it comes to theology and doctrine. Um, And so I just want to encourage you maybe to stick with me, even though there's a part of you that probably wants to check out right now. Don't check out from the Doctrine and Theology sermon. Stick with me. Stay with me. Um, Because I want to just, one, affirm, uh, if you feel that way, again, there's a good reason. Um, There's good reason that many of us see it as academic and esoteric and irrelevant Uh, There's a reason, and I say this as someone who went to seminary, there's a reason that people call seminaries cemeteries, Um, because it is a place where live faith often goes to die. Um, Theologian Simon Chan uh, warns about the dangers of doctrine, of theology, and studying God. He says this, he says, if we pursue theological knowledge for its own sake, it is bound to go badly. It will make us proud and conceited, not unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or lead us down the primrose path of deconstructing our faith through theological liberalism. The Apostle Paul himself says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge puffs up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. J.I. Packer writes in his excellent book, Knowing God, there can be no spiritual health without doctrinal knowledge, but it's equally true that there can be no spiritual health with it if sought for the wrong ends. We must seek studying God, in studying God, to be led to God. The study of God must always lead us from the truth of God to prayer and praise to God. Simply knowing the right doctrines can actually foster a culture within a church that denies the very things that we claim to believe. And this, uh, this sadly happens way more than we would probably be willing to admit. Uh, I remember hearing um, Ray Ortland talk about this gospel doctrine and gospel um, culture. And he shared a picture that I'm about to share with you as an illustration of what can happen when you have right doctrine but you don't connect it with the heart and the way that you actually live out life in your community. And I just want to warn you that this picture uh, is jarring, and it's offensive, um, and it's disturbing. And so uh, as we put the picture up, I just want to highlight what this picture is showing us about the dangers of doctrine, not so that we'll toss doctrine out, like the baby with the bathwater, but so that we'll recognize how important it is that our doctrines stay rooted to this idea that it's about worshiping and praying to a living God, the one true living God. So I want you to look at this picture because it is arresting and it is heartbreaking to look at what this picture is telling us. Um, This picture shows a group of people that have a right doctrine, Jesus saves. Jesus is the only one who can save. And yet, this doctrine is completely divorced from the God whom they are declaring to know and the way they are living. And I just want this to be a picture that we hold in our minds as we talk about doctrine, anytime we talk about doctrine, because there is a real danger of doctrine leading us away from God and not to God. And we want it to lead us to God and not away. We want to commit ourselves, in other words, to rightly pursuing gospel doctrine, not just head knowledge of facts, but a knowing, a true knowing of who God is. So perhaps... um, Perhaps you still are a little on the fence about doctrine and theology and its place for you personally. Why it really should matter to you. Why theology, you might say. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've never had a single theology class in my entire life. I've never been to a study on theology. I've never read a book on theology. In fact, I would prefer to keep it that way. (laughs) I seem to be doing fine without it. Why do I need it? So let me just suggest three things. One, I think you and I need theology. Two, I think the church needs theology. And three, I think the world needs theology. And so let me just lay that out for you really quickly. You and I need theology. Here's the reality. Uh, That picture represents a theology. You have a theology. In fact, you are a theologian, whether you've ever realized that or not. We all do theology all the time. Everything we do and everything we say is rooted in some kind of belief system about God and who we are and how the world works. We are all theologians in practice. And unfortunately, if we aren't intentional about our beliefs, we can be shaped by wrong or distorted beliefs about God. And so what I want to suggest to you is that you and I need theology because God wants to actually shape how we see him and think about him, and relate to him. For example, what if a biblical understanding, what if doing the theology around thinking about the Trinity uh, could help you actually become a more humble and less judgmental person in the midst of your everyday life? Or what if the doctrine of creation could help you see why your vocation matters in the kingdom of God? Or what if a biblical understanding of the doctrine of grace could actually set you free from shame? When we lack clarity about what we believe, we actually enslave ourselves to false beliefs. We can actually worship a false god if we're not careful. And so we want to be people who think carefully about these things. We want to be less susceptible to letting our culture and our feelings dictate what is true rather than letting God dictate, dictate what is true. So first, I think you and I need theology. Second, the church needs theology. The church today is facing a crisis of orthodoxy. Many people who call themselves Christians, well-meaning people, good people, don't really know what they believe and hold ideas that are fundamentally counter to what the Bible teaches about God. They're not bad people. They just don't know what they believe or why they believe what they believe. Ian Murray points out that many in the church hold to a definition of Christianity which holds that creed and character have no necessary connection. That it matters not what we believe so long as our hearts are right. If we believe what we believe and we believe it earnestly, that's what matters. That's what our culture says. And that's bled into the church. But Jesus disagrees. And if you've been here as we talked through the Sermon on the Mount, you know that. We just finished this series in which Jesus calls his followers to be obedient in their faith in every area of their life. And he warns that a belief in God that has no effect on how we live is not true faith in the one true God. So the church as a community needs theology as we live out our call and our mission. And then finally, the world needs theology. We need to study theology for the sake of others. The world needs a church that understands what it believes and is seeking to live that out. What we believe, gospel doctrine, will shape how we live, our gospel culture, and that culture will draw people to Jesus or it will repel people from Jesus. Jesus. So, what we believe and how we live it out is a prophetic witness, in other words, in the world. It will raise Jesus up so people see how good and beautiful and true he is, or it will obscure him and point people away from him. And so, what we believe, our theology matters, not just for us, but for every single person in our lives. If the apostle, if apostles is to remain faithful as a witness of Christ, then we have to keep growing in our knowledge, and our love of God over time. So, we need theology, our church needs theology, and the world needs theology. And because of that, we're going to do theology. (laughs) This summer, what we want to do is we want to set aside time to ask, what do we believe as a church? Every Wednesday night, starting June 14th, we are going to be considering core biblical doctrines of the Christian faith. Things like the Trinity, and the uh, revelation, creation, humanity, sin, the incarnation, salvation, the Holy Spirit, the church, the return of Christ. These core doctrines of the faith, we're going to look at them together. And so you don't have to listen to just me all summer, or just Eric all summer. Uh, We've got some amazing folks who are going to come in and, uh, and be teaching on this. Um, namely Dr. Ben Blackwell, who wrote the book that we'll be using called Engaging Theology. And so I just want to say that because these uh, are, will be men and women teaching us who know the Lord, not just about the Lord. And they have been studying and preparing to teach theology as a calling, which means it has the immense capacity to bless us as a community. Uh, so um, We'll have dinner uh, every week, 6 to 6.30. Then 6.30 to uh, 8 o'clock, we'll break into our program time. So the adults will come in here. Kids, we've got a program for them as well, uh, including our AYC group. And so we'll gather them in the education building. And everyone will be learning theology uh, together. And it will be awesome and exciting. And I want to encourage you uh, to make it a priority. When you are here, I know you may be traveling, but when you're here on Wednesday nights, make it a priority. You can RSVP. Uh, Starting this week. In fact, uh, pretty much everywhere you look this morning, whether on the screen or in the lobby or at the welcome table uh, or in the bathrooms, we got you covered. There's a QR code where you can scan and you can sign up for our theology class called Engaging Theology. And here's my hope my hope is that we will all do this together for God, for one another, and for those we love in our life that need Jesus. That's why you do theology. That's why we need to do theology. So having said all that, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's one or two of you that are still not convinced that you should come to this class, that you should sign up for Engaging Theology. So I just wanna throw out a few questions as I close for you to consider and pray through and ask God, Lord, is this something that you would have me do? And I realize for some of us, it's getting out of our comfort zone. It's pushing us in a direction that we otherwise wouldn't wanna go but I do think it will bless you. And so I want to encourage you just to reflect on some of these questions and questions like them uh, as you weigh your options this summer for Wednesday nights from six to eight. So first, what if at the end of the summer, you could say with confidence that you knew God better and loved him more than you do now? Not just mere facts, but in a personal, intimate, head and heart way the same way you know a close friend or the way you know a spouse? What if you could have uh, eight get-to-know-you-better dates with God? (laughs) You know, creating intentional space where it's just you coming to the Lord and saying, I want to know more about you. I want to learn more about who you are So at the end of it, you were convinced that this is the God who really knows me and loves me and is with me, the God that I can actually trust with my whole life. What if at the end of the summer, you felt more grateful and more confident about how the gospel has the power to shape your life every day, not just on Sundays or not just at Life Group, but every single moment of your life? What if you had the opportunity to safely engage in meaningful and thoughtful conversations uh, with others who are seeking to do the same to figure out what you believe? What if you could get some clarity on those questions that have been nagging you in your life with God? What if at the end of the summer, you could feel more confident to live out your faith and explain what you believe when people ask? I think so often we feel reticent to talk with any level of confidence because we just haven't created the space. We haven't given ourselves the gift to think deeply and carefully with others about these important questions. Think about your coworkers. Think about your neighbors. Think about your family members who don't know Jesus. What if as a parent you felt equipped to answer your own children's basics in the faith? When those questions come up and I've had them as a parent too, and I'm like, man, I don't know how to answer that, Lord. God wants to help us as parents to be able to disciple our children and teach them to follow Jesus. What if this summer your kids themselves had a chance to work out what they believe about these same kinds of questions in the light of the gospel? Now, does that sound too ambitious for one theology class? I hope not. I really hope not. Jesus prayed here in John 17, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and the Jesus whom you have sent. My hope is that this summer, on Wednesday nights, we will come together and let Jesus teach us about gospel, gospel doctrine so that we can live out gospel culture. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only Son so that we can know the one true God. Lord, thank you that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And Lord, thank you that there's no, um, no endeavor we could undertake that's more important and more life-changing then through our relationship with you to seek to know you and to love you more. And so Lord, I pray that um, you would help us as we consider who you are and what you're like and what you've done this summer through this course. And I pray that we as a community would, would come together and learn together and be shaped together so that we can be that prophetic witness of who you are to the world, a world that desperately needs you to know that you love them, and that you have given your son for them. And Lord, we want to be that kind of church. So Lord, we give you this summer, we give you our hearts, and we pray that you would teach us in the way of Jesus. I pray that in his name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at ApostlesHouston.org.